Let's face it, running a construction company can be chaotic. As business owners, we wear a lot of hats and we're constantly putting out fires. Luckily, there's a way to work simpler with Builder Trend. I'm a huge advocate for using technology to help run AFT, and Builder Trend is one of the most crucial tools I rely on to keep me on top of every detail. Built just for home builders and remodelers, this is an easy-to-use platform that helps manage all aspects of my business. My team's been using Builder Trend's project management platform for the last five years, and we love that they're always improving and adding new features to make our lives easier. This is something that we've really tried to take on internally to find ways to improve our system every day. Builder Trend just released a full set of financial services, added new tools like Takeoff to make estimates more accurate, and launched a total rebrand with a new mission to help change the future of construction, and we are on board. To learn more about how Build-A-Trend can help calm the chaos in your construction business, visit buildatrend.com backslash AFT. When you schedule a demo, you'll receive an exclusive 60-day money-back guarantee only available to my podcast listeners. I'm following Build-A-Trend into the future in construction. Come on board with us. The profitability was a big uh, thing that in the beginning, a lot of builders don't talk about. A lot of builders, it's like, oh, how many homes a year do you build? You know, I've learned now over the last several years that it's like, I'm really way more interested in how profitable somebody is because, man, I, I have been in that boat where it's like, oh yeah, I'm building houses, but I don't know that I'm really making money. So welcome to the AT Construction Podcast, and we have Randy Wrights on with us today. Welcome, Randy. Hey, buddy. How are you? It's good, man. It's been a while. So Randy's the uh, president of Urban Nest, and uh, we, we've been together quite a few times at the CBSA Power 30 Conference, We Cambria, I know. You were even had some baseball games. You had some college world series going on, right? At the time. So uh little yeah, little league world series. Yeah, yeah little league. We, I, said, oh, I said college, I meant little league yeah, world series. Yeah, no, You're my probably still my, too young for college. Oh yeah, yeah. My little guy, man. He likes the baseball. So it's awesome, man. And then we're gonna meet up um at the Power 30 in Austin. So how's everything going? I mean, how's the market there in Oklahoma city? I don't really, you know, start the podcast that way, but I think it's interesting to kind of see how the market's doing in other parts of the country. You know, I think probably similar to most parts of the country. I think it depends on what segment of the market you're really talking about. Um, certain segments here are doing really well. Haven't seen a whole lot of drop off, but then there's also certain segments that have definitely seen some pretty major drop off. Um, you know, we we kind of build in a couple of those segments, so it seems like here the luxury high ends and and then also the beginner homes are still doing okay. Um, kind of that middle of the road product, the first time, second time move up is, is definitely uh, seeing a little bit bigger hit on uh, slowing down just the interest rates being so high. So, Well, I, I know that anyone that's building in that first tier, second tier interest rates are going to make a big impact. Um, I know you have a big network too of builders. You know, we communicate all the time. Is that, is that what you're seeing too, other parts of the country? I mean, it seems like you're still busy though, like products still moving, you're still selling. Yeah. I, so a lot of the guys I've talked to, I think it's kind of around the country from what I've seen uh, or and talked to some guys. I think it is kind of more of that middle segment seems to be a little slower. But, uh, you know, I mean, we, we've also got some some luxury high end stuff and then even some uh, light commercial multifamily stuff that we're looking at uh, starting up here pretty quick that is really exciting. We're really excited about that. But, uh, yeah, I, I think, again, it's it's from what I'm hearing and from what we're seeing here, I think it's just interest rates are, are definitely, uh, are, are definitely slowing things down a little bit, but you know, if we, if we saw a little bit of a decline, I think we'd be busy again pretty quick. 
It's interesting. I, I think there's some context. It's funny when I usually I bring on guests, Randy, you know, I'm not really big on background. Of story. I mean, I am, you know, at some point, but, you know, I get in me, but I think there's some relevance here because a lot of the guests I bring on, especially from the contracting side, custom builders, remodelers, kind of different. What's unique about you, and this is why I love CBUSA, because just for reference, CBUSA is, it, it started as like custom builder USA, right? Like a buying group. And now it's kind of changed because we have so many builders. A lot of them do three, 400 homes a year. Some do 12 homes a year. You kind of have, you know, a lot of them have their own land. I mean, it's kind of a wide, you know, wide range, right, of builders. And I know you specifically, you have your own product. You have your own models and product and homes. And I think that's important to understand kind of your makeup and dynamic of a company as opposed to someone like myself that's a little bit different. Yeah, you know, CBUSA is such a cool organization to be a part of. And obviously, you and I are both a part of it. And um, it it really is interesting in that there's such a hodgepodge of different builders, different products, different, you know, we all operate a little bit differently. You know, I think here in Oklahoma City, we've got right, right around 30 builders now locally here. And then obviously all over the country. I mean, what, we're over 700 now, something like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's, it is very interesting that you get a, a very unique perspective when you meet a lot of these guys. Cause yeah, you know, you'll see some of these guys out in Raleigh building two, three, 400 a year. And then, you know, you know, but their, their price points vastly different. And then, you know, you got a guy like you that's building these just amazing homes out in Phoenix and, and Scottsdale area that, you know, it's just, we always like to watch the, the progress on those on, on social. So, you know, yeah, I, I think that we have benefited a lot from that group, um, both locally. And then, you know, we've been to the, I think this is the third year now that we're going to go to the power 30. And so that's, you know, obviously always exciting to be, get the invite for that and, and, you know, get to really spend a little, a few days with, you know, like-minded builders around the country. Obviously you and I are both going to be there, like you mentioned, but, uh, yeah, I, I, man, I've learned so much from that group of guys, you know, all the way from Brian and, and Phil and, and, you know, just a lot of those guys that have taught us some things. And then, but even here locally, you know, our local rep Daryl and, and now Rob, I mean, they both do a really good job of, of, you know, being there for us, anything we need. So, yeah, I, I've been really excited to be a part of that group and it's, it's, you know, I, I tell a lot of people that, CBUSA organization really was one of the game changers for us when we decided to finally, you know, go into that arena. We, you know, like a lot of builders, we, we had told, you know, CBUSA kind of came after us for about a six month period. And, you know, I was very resistant up front because I'm like, well, nobody's going to tell me who I got to buy my lumber from, and, <laughs> you know, and then uh, all of a sudden they do a comparative quote for you and you're like, well, Man, I, I guess my lumberyard guy's not as good of a friend as I thought he was. <laughs> so, so yeah, it, it's been really good. And, and again, we've not only the the cost savings that we've uh, seen, but also just the camaraderie of the guys, and then just learning from a lot of you guys. So yeah, it's been really good. Well, I think it's important to get some context. I, I would imagine a lot of listeners may don't understand Power Thirty. So once a year, they have 
part of us that are in this membership group. And, um, you know, I did have Ryan Lipchek on and he spoke about a little bit, a few episodes ago that essentially, you know, there's qualification, there's, there's approval from the existing group. So they're trying to find builders that pay their bills, you know, that have good reputations and, you know, and, and it could be a wide variety as we mentioned of builders, but essentially the power 30 is the yearly conference and they bring in, you know, a lot of guest speakers and a lot of networking. And you and I have found a lot of value just networking with other builders as we do that helped our business. Um, most importantly, the way you uh, become a Power 30 and essentially get invited is you're one of the top 30 accounts of volume, which you qualify. Truth be told, I don't qualify, so I have to get in. You know, for what it's worth, anyone that's a CBUS USA member can attend. You know, the Power 30, even if they're not technically a top 30. And uh, you know, there's a lot of specifics. Part of it is, you know, we're building the Arizona market, so we don't have you know, as strong of a market as, you know, North Carolina and Atlanta and Oklahoma city and some other parts of the country and no excuse, but we're building that right. Call them homes and Calvis wide and, um, sticks and bricks. I mean, we got a bunch of us builders here that are trying to build this area. So that's the preface now from you, Randy, maybe speak about your business specifically, kind of your scope of work, your bread and butter, and you know, how you service the Oklahoma city area. Well, so we, uh, <clears throat> I've been in construction for a good part of my life now. My granddad uh, was a builder. So growing up, I kind of was around job sites all the time. And then um, I actually went to work uh, right out of college for another builder that's in CBUSA as well. And worked for him uh, for about four years and, and got a lot of, he was more of a production guy, got a lot of really good experience working for him. And then uh, back in 2015, started Urban Nest with my business partner, Jason. And, uh, yeah. So, you know, we, when we first came to the market, we really kind of were like, you know, we feel like we want to provide a product for our clients that, you know, we, we always knew that we weren't going to be a beginner home specialist. We also knew that we didn't want to go high end luxury. So we really felt like we could kind of get right in the middle market, middle of the road, you know, again, first time, second time move up. And then also uh, empty nesters moving, you know, kind of downsizing. And so from the very beginning, that was kind of really what we focused on. And, you know, it, it, uh, we've, we've had a lot of bumps and bruises along the way, but also a lot of successes along the way. And so, you know, the, the kind of bread and butter product for us, you know, right now, and probably for the majority of the time we've been in business has been 2000 to 3000 square feet on average. I mean, we have gone a little bit outside of that from time to time, but, uh, you know, Oklahoma, Oklahoma City and just Oklahoma in general is such a unique market in that, you know, we're by all accounts, we are, we price per foot, we're quite a bit less than most places around the country. And so you will get a lot of transplants moving in, especially lately since COVID. And, you know, they come here and they just can't imagine what they can get for the same money. Uh, lots of California buyers, lots of Texas buyers, um, you know, they're kind of all over, but those two states for sure, Colorado. Um, but yeah, I, I think that we have always tried to really offer not only a product that appeals to that clientele, but also a service that appeals to them. You know, it's, it, we, we really try to, one of the big guys here in Oklahoma city, he, uh, he builds a lot of houses and, you know, by all accounts, I mean, our houses look somewhat similar, but you know, we, we typically get our fair share of those clients from them just because we are willing to, uh, to, we're willing to let the homeowners customize the homes a little more often than, than he will. And so that's kind of where we've kind of lived is right there, you know, this 800 pound gorilla in town that's doing, you know, all this marketing and then they can come see us and we're, 
offering a very similar product, but what, you know, we'll let them modify room sizes or colors or fixtures or whatever else there may be. So um, that's really been our bread and butter. And, you know, it's, it wasn't until really about this time last year, I, I would say from, from when we first started to about this time last year, that was really what we focused on. Um, we had a pretty good growth pattern. Uh, we grew by about a hundred percent for about the first six years we were in, in business and that had its own set of uh, challenges. Uh, so that, that was challenging at times, but uh, up until about last year, we just kind of stayed in that arena. And then, you know, about this time last year, things started slowing down, interest rates started going up. And so we started, pivoting you know a lot of us have had to pivot and you know that was when we first started looking at light commercial uh we st first started really looking into the luxury market more um we we tried our hand at some beginner homes at one point a few years back that didn't work out so well um i might need some pointers from some other guys on how to do that a, a little more effectively if we were going to do that again but um but now the the luxury side really seems to be you know doing doing well here. I mean, we've, we've had a couple homes now that we've uh, gotten start to finish over the last year and, and sold and they've done really well. And then uh, we're super excited about there's a brand new neighborhood that uh, we'll have to talk a little more in Austin about too, but yeah, it's, it's incredible for Oklahoma. It's, it's a true master plan community, high end luxury product, but it's really cool in that they're offering such a wide variety of product, whether it's the 8,000 square foot mansion or all the way down to a thousand square foot cottage. But all of the fit and finish of these homes is just incredible. And it's, uh, it's, it's something we're really excited about. There's been a lot of, uh, a lot of excitement around that neighborhood. And so, yeah, we're, we're excited to see what the future holds now that we've kind of pivoted a little bit, but, uh, between those things and then just trying to uh, ramp up the investment properties as well. That's kind of what we see over the next couple of years. We want to stay true to what we've always done, but also, you know, kind of dabble in a couple of those other arenas and just see what, uh, see what, see what we can do there. Well, so just to clarify, I mean, you are looking at expanding like commercial and, and maybe mm -hmm. some um, bill for, you know, built to suit properties, but I do, yeah. for the most part, when you talk about the growth you've had last six years, this is all investment, self-development, procure land, build, right? I mean, you're essentially running everything in-house. Yeah, yeah, it's been, so we, so just from when I worked for the guy before, kind of gained a lot of really good relationships, you know, through just with, both with trades and vendors and bankers and you know, it, it, we started out doing cost plus uh, actually out in my hometown, which is just outside of Oklahoma city. And uh, then we, uh, you know, just, it's, it's funny cause I tell people a lot, you know, and, and you know, Brad, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys that are in construction, it's like, you look at them and it's like they they're third or fourth generation and, you know, taking over dad or granddad's company. And, you know, and in the very beginning, we caught ourselves kind of looking at them and being like, man, I wish we had the money that they had, <laughs> you know, but you just, you learn to deal with the hand you got dealt. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's funny. Cause I think when we first started, I bet between Jason and I maybe had 10,000 bucks in the bank. So it was not, it, it was not, it was very humble beginnings. And, uh, there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of early, the, the first two or three years, man, it, it was very, very tight and very, you know, just hustling all the time. And, 
And, you know, and then you start building a team and you start, you know, getting more on the leadership side of things. And, and that, that has been really fulfilling for me. I really, man, the, the team building and just, and pouring into our people. And, you know, I mean, obviously it's, it's got its bumps and bruises along the way too, but it, that's probably one of the most fulfilling things within the company that I like is just really pouring to our people mm-hmm. and, and seeing them grow. And so it's, it's really cool to see that, but um, sorry, I kind of got off and rambled on and no, on about that other, but. No, it's good. And I, I'm actually going to come back to like the customized designs. Cause I, I, I want to pin you on that. Cause that's something that's really tough to do. Not, not just in your market, but just in the product you're, producing mm-hmm. i think more importantly when you mentioned that you had 100 percent growth over six years what talk about the pain points you know what what was that like because any company and, and the reason i bring that up when i was in my builder 20 he said look brad if you're doing this revenue and then you double or you triple just wait it's like drinking out fire hose i mean there, there's a substantial <laughs> difference and so I, I can only imagine there's been some learning lessons and pain points that happen oh, yeah. with 100 oh, yeah. growth for six years i mean that is that's a tough trajectory to, to keep on yeah, we, I, I think the first year we started, I think we did five projects and I think there was four custom homes cost plus, and then one remodel. And, uh, fast forward to last year, we were, we did just over 21 million in revenue. And so, I mean, I think we closed right at 50 homes. Um, and so, you know, I, I think some of the pain points that that we experienced was first off, you know, as much as, as much fulfillment as I get from building the team, there's also some HR issues that come up that you just have to deal with. And, you know, it's, it's, people don't tell you about that side of things, you know, it's like, Oh, I'm a builder. I build houses. And then all of a sudden you're dealing with, you know, some interpersonal issue in the office. And it's like, I, I truly do care about all of our people, but there were times where I found myself just being like, golly guys, like we're, let's, let's build houses, you know? And, and, but you know, overall, I mean, the culture was a big thing that we really preached and, you know, we, I, I still to this day make everybody that we hire on read the certain book, um, the ideal team player, Patrick Lencioni. I mean, it's a real easy read and really kind of, describes what we want to embody in all of our teammates and you know so that's that's been something that's been very important for us but uh as far as the growth pattern though yeah i i would say i would not recommend the 100 percent growth pattern model it's not a, it's not a fun place to be sometimes but uh yeah i i think that between you know growing a team and learning the pain points of that and figuring out you know hey how do we effectively lead these people and not only not only you know, building the team, but uh, us as Jason and I, you know, we, we're not just born, like know how to do it leaders either. It's like, we really had to get some leadership training. We've, we've seen consultants that have helped us with that, that part of things. Um, you know, also profitability, profitability was a big uh, thing that in the beginning that, you know, a lot of, a lot of builders don't talk about a lot of builders. It's like, Oh, how many homes a year do you build? And it's like, well, I, I you know, I've learned now over the last several years that it's like, I'm really way more interested in how profitable somebody is because, man, I, I have been in that boat where it's like, oh, yeah, I'm building houses, but I don't know that I'm really making money. And, uh, you know, now that's something we focus a lot more on. So, you know, the profitability, it's, it's you know, we, we basically do our bids, put everything together. Now, we do, again, we are in more of a uh, – production model so we have certain plans we build over and over but you know with this new vein of of uh, custom builds it's really 
it's kind of put us back into that whole, you know, really having to bid plans real hard again. And, you know, when you're in production, it's like, you'll do it the first few times and then kind of adjust the numbers, adjust the numbers, and then you just run with it. And it's like, that's so it's, it's really nice, but at the same time, you know, it, it, when the market's dictating that you change your business model, you know, now you have to change the way you're doing things. And, you know, I think I, and, and obviously, man, I listen to your podcast all the time and you got, you have some great people on and, you know, learn so much from what I hear from them and from you. But, you know, I, I think I hear people all the time just talking about how the business side of things is just so under, it, you just don't hear about it until you're on the ownership side. And then you get on the ownership side and you're like, well, what, what do you mean pro forma? What do you mean P and L? It's like, you have no idea, you know, what some of these things even are in the beginning. And then you start, you know, a, a, as you grow up, you know, as you, as you kind of take the training wheels off, it's like, Oh yeah, we got to kind of be paying attention to some of these other things that uh, are really, you know, KPIs that we just have to monitor. And it's like, if you're not monitoring your KPIs, man, it's, and in the beginning, there's there's times I wonder how we even made it to where we are with in the very beginning <laughs> when we had no KPIs at all, you know. And and now it's it's just it's it's definitely run a lot differently now. But uh, you know, we still, man, I I'm very very self critical, and man, I, I there's so many things we need to work on still. But you know, just I, I see, and it's like I, I have to have to remind myself all the time, you know, how to eat an elephant one bite at a time, and it just man it just takes time. This episode is brought to you by Pella Windows. When it comes to building homes at AFT, almost every project has Pella Windows. And they've been just an incredible partner of ours. And locally, Sammy and Adam, they are not only amazing business partners behind us, but they are super close friends. And I speak on the podcast all the time about the importance of relationships, right? Relationships with our customers, with our vendors, with our suppliers. Because at the end of the day, I'm only as good as those that help our brand and assist us in our projects to, to take it from the ground up all the way to completion. And if we didn't have partners such as Pella, there's no way we'd be who we are today. Over the years, we've built this amazing relationship. When we call them or email them, they respond. They're quick. Their they're company culture, their integrity, their honesty, you know, they are always there to do what's right for us and the customer. They can do anything from small replacement projects to large custom homes and even multi-million dollar commercial projects. And also, when you think about their product line, they can do ultra contemporary, historical preservation, and large traditional projects so for anyone any scale any size they're the ones to call they're here local you know they have an amazing instagram make sure and give them a follow to see what they're doing so if you need windows and doors give sammy and adam a call we stand behind pella we love what they do their culture their brand and especially their quality and if you want to learn more about pella windows check our show notes we'll have everything tagged there so you can give them a follow and have their contact information to reach out well that's what makes a good entrepreneur right it's such a good business owner someone that's looking to make changes and you know get better every day uh i can only imagine the growth pains and the reason i say that it's not just company culture but you alluded to this that just because you're doing more revenue doesn't mean more profitability there's more complications you know the bigger you get tail gets longer yeah and that's something andrew patterson talks about all the time in newport and there's just so many variables right and you mentioned the kpis maybe without getting into specifics but are there certain and, and essentially what those are key performance indicators right they're metrics mm -hmm. you're looking at for the health of the business it could be you know looking at um you know, backlog, it could be looking at profitability month by month, you know, you have land assets automatically. I mean, there's a lot of things that kind of go into yours. Are, are there certain key metrics that are really important to you, Randy, as a business owner that now, that maybe you didn't look at six or seven years ago, but that you're looking at today as you forecast? 
Yeah, I think the KPIs that, you know, obviously department to department, we have KPIs for our people that they really keep track of. And, you know, Builder Trend, obviously, I know you're you're on Builder Trend just like we are, and we've been on for several years now. So there's actually a lot of reporting tools on Builder Trend that help us kind of keep track of some of those KPIs, not all of them, but some of them. Um, but, you know, the KPIs that we really, you know, customer customer satisfaction has been, you know, I in, in all honesty, you know, when we grew so fast early in COVID, and that was back when we were really adding a lot of people to the team too. It, it not that we ever let uh, uh, client satisfaction ever, you know, we didn't ever let it leave the radar, but it definitely did not get as much attention as it should have. And, you know, we had a lot of people still training in the positions that they were there for. And so I think that, you know, it's really important to, you know, back then that was back when we really didn't even understand KPIs like we do now, but once we had those KPIs, it's so important to monitor, you know, and again, the, the client satisfaction, the profitability is always a big thing. You know, we talk about build times and, and time in, you know, in construction, time in pre-construction. Um, there, there's a lot of things that we look at, um, you know, even, even let me interrupt you too, because yeah. what's interesting, Randy, I think this is really important. You mentioned time and pre-construction and that, that triggered something. The reason I say that is because that means something totally different to you than me. You yeah. know, I, for me as a custom builder, yes, if that pre-construction long process takes too long, this is how it affects me for a couple of reasons. One client could get exhausted. You know, our pre-con is pretty long. Um, maybe they get tired of the project, life circumstances change, pricing changes. Well, you know, and that can affect us somewhat, but you, but for me, it's a, it's a bottom line to some extent, but not as critical for you because you actually have carrying costs and interest and land. And so walk through maybe yeah. how important it is, you know, that your process and systems are dialed in on the front end so that you can get to construction and go vertical. Well, I mean, just like all of us, I mean, the, the, the more time you spend in pre-construction, it's like, you never want to rush it, but you do want to, you know, in the way we build, because we typically finance everything, very few times do we do cost plus these days. So most of the builds that we're operating or, or that we're building are on our dime. And so, you know, you don't want to rush pre-construction because as you know, it, it can really just makes the whole construction process go horrible too. If, if you rush the pre-construction, cause then you're waiting on information or you have incomplete information and, you know, so we try not to rush it, but we we have over the years really kind of dialed in our process for that. And, you know, the process for us is, you know, we sign a contract, we have, whether we're bringing in a third-party designer or we're doing the design in-house, we, you know, pretty quickly have the client, uh, you know, sign off on their plan. And that's another thing. We have in-house drafting. So we have all of our own plans. If they want to make modifications, instead of waiting on our, on an architect to modify that, you know, we can have it done in, I mean, a day or two. And so we'll have Abby, she'll, she'll, you know, redline the plan, make the modifications, and then she'll send it over to, you know, either Madison or Sadie, and then they'll take the clients into uh, design. And, you know, we try to, we try to, you know, a lot, a certain amount of time per, you know, even like for the modifications, because it's, you know, you, you don't think about that. Well, okay, if I modify this plan, what does that do to how now it fits on the lot? And do we need to mirror it? Do we need to, you know, there's a lot of things like that. And so, you know, but we, we do still have for each one of those individuals working in pre-construction, it's like, okay, Abby knows that, you know, she needs to have this, this 
plan modification done in X number of time. And then, you know, the girls working on design, they know that, Hey, we've got a couple of weeks. And, and it's like you said, I mean, on our houses, very rarely are we doing plans that are just completely just one-offs. Most of the time it's plans we've done before. And in a lot of cases, the homeowners have actually seen that plan, whether it's been a speculative model or if it's, you know, just something they've seen images of online. And so, yeah, it, it does make it a little easier if it's a if it's a production plan that they've been able to see that plan. And now they already have a, a kind of a feel for the space. Uh, but like I said, we're starting to do some more custom stuff now. And so that's been, that's kind of gotten back. I, I've definitely thought about you a few times. I'm like, oh, man, I wonder what Brad would do here. And so. <laughs> I, uh, you know, we've got, we actually just recently signed uh, in this neighborhood, this new neighborhood that I was kind of talking about earlier that we're real excited about. Um, we signed a, a, our first uh, pre-sale cost plus. And so that's, you know, we haven't done a cost plus in a while. It's been several years now. And, but, you know, the client, they've done a few, they've built a few houses before. They're wanting to do a full-blown custom plan. So, you know, it, it, that's going to be vastly different working with these people than what our normal build is. Whereas our pre-construction and a normal build, we may take 60 days. 60 days is actually the, the goal. And so from the time we write contract to the time we scrape the pad, we want it to be 60 days. Now, do we always hit that? No. Um, but most of the time now, we, 60 days is about right. Uh, but, you know, as, as you're more used to, you know, now we're drawing a plan and I mean, the architect may be four to six months or longer just drawing the plan. And so, yeah, it's it's been a little bit uh, I'm being reminded of some of those things we used to deal with back when we first started. But, uh, yeah, it's it's been fun, though, man. It's it's really has. And, and so, yeah, the pre-construction, like I said, it's it's vastly different from the two product offerings. If you're doing cost plus on a just full blown custom plan, it's it's a lot longer process. So, well, and this is important to that question I asked about your precon process. The reason being is, what, what's unique about you, especially when you have product you're offering to the public that they're buying and contracting with you, Randy, is you allow custom designs, customization, yeah. and yeah, it may not be crazy over the top, but you are allowing that. Whereas most, I mean, seriously, my experience has been most of them don't. Was that just a value add strategy? You mentioned that there's a you know big player in town. Is this to give you a competitive edge? Is this because you already have unique product and you know because that can add a little bit of complication for you, you know, yeah. especially in design and that timeline. Yeah, I would say honestly, probably most of our failures. I mean, you know, it's never fun to talk about where we fail, but I would say most of our failures are in relation to that, you know, us us allowing that level of customization. Um, you know, I think we will always allow that just because it's just kind of who we are. I mean, we, we want our clients to be able to, to add that, that level of customization to make the house really theirs. Um, however, it does get us in trouble sometimes. And, you know, again, I think that it's just learning from your mistakes and not, you know, duplicating them and, and setting new systems in place, you know, it, when you do make a mistake, but, yeah, I, I think to answer your question, though, I think it was initially kind of a competitive edge. You know, we were trying to build a product that was a nice product, but now you can also customize a little more than anybody else in town. And so that did get us a lot of business there for a, a while and kind of put our name out there, kind of gave us a competitive edge over some of our competitors. And <laughs> and maybe they're probably over there laughing at us going, yeah, we know what kind of 
we know what kind of headaches you're going through right now. So maybe they, they were laughing at us, but you know, it's put us into a pretty good spot and you know, we, we wouldn't change the way we did it. I mean, we still, you know, we, we, we truly do love even the clients. I mean, obviously we've had some, you know, difficult clients we all have and, you know, you have to look at those clients and I'm, I'm a big self evaluation type guy. A lot of times, you know, if somebody's mad at me, I, I immediately jump to, well, what did I do wrong in this situation? Because I know that I probably have some culpability in, did I not communicate effectively? Did I not, you know, communi- communication, as you know, communication is almost always where you, the breakdown is. And so I think, you know, we've definitely had some failures there. We've also had some really good, I mean, great relationships that we've formed with people uh, that, you know, with clients and, I think that's also in, in addition to the team building, that's been what I've really been uh, proud of is, is the people that, you know, we've built a really good house for, you know, cause I, I, I would stand behind. I mean, I think all the houses we've built over the years have been really good houses, but uh, you know, we've also got some people that haven't been very happy with us and, and we've got, but we have some people that are just extremely happy with this. And so that's, that's always been real. It's like now if we can just figure out exactly what we did for those people that made them so happy, and maybe it's just them, you know, I don't know, but um, it's 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 never never ending challenges for sure. It's such a it, it's such an interesting dynamic because you know I I've had the same experience. We have some clients that love us to death, and I know there's some that aren't too fond. Um, it, it, the reality is it's it's a really complicated business. You know, the lifeline's pretty long, the relationship's really long, a lot of expectations from either party. Um, a balancing act. I know you and I have had to deal with this with since COVID, you know, material supply chain and still inflation costs labor. I mean, and again, when you look at the client, two things really are important to them budget and timeline. And it's really hard to hit on both. If not, um, one of them, (laughs) it just, so, so I think there's a complication there just being open. Um, I know for you, something that's unique about your brand is most, I would say most builders that are doing semi-custom, you know, they're, they're controlling it. You know, you hear the word development, right? Developers, development, whereas you've kind of taken the stance of communities, which is a little unique, and maybe that dives down into the culture. That mindset of speaking to it as a community as opposed to development, the ethos behind that, how does that impact kind of the mentality of your company and just the experience for your clients? Yeah, I, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because, yeah, that's something that – and, and it, it, when you're first starting, I feel like it's just kind of like you're – I mean, you, you look for anybody that will sell you lots. You look for anybody that will let you build for them, and it's like you get, you know, in some traps in the beginning. But as you start figuring things out, you know, you start really figuring out who you want to be, you know, who you want your really – your ideal client to be. And I think what we've really figured out, um, and man, I keep going back to this one neighborhood I keep alluding to. I, I'm going to give them a little shameless plug here. The name of the development's called Sela. Um, it's in just south of Norman, Oklahoma. But uh, man, I, I think that that developer really has come on to something is, is they're really trying to build a community, not a development. And it's hard to do that. I mean, you know, it's, it's not... A developer, you know, a normal development here in Oklahoma, you know, you're going to see just some, uh, a raw field. They're going to come in, slap some roads in. They're going to put in some infrastructure and they're, they're like, here you go. Here's, here's you some lots to build on. 
And, you know, and, and nothing necessarily against that. I mean, there's, there's a lot of developments like that. And we've built a lot of homes, had a lot of really great people that have built in those neighborhoods uh, and those developments. But, you know, this developer in this neighborhood, they're really taking the time and, you know, and, and it's hard because they're, they've invested, it's a very sizable investment, but, you know, they've got up front, you know, they've already got a couple of restaurants. They've got a coffee, a coffee shop. They've got, you know, they're putting in an event venue and an amphitheater and all these walking trails and a vineyard and, you know, football field. And it's just all these things that, you know, it, it's designed to really have everybody come together as a community, even down to the plans. You know, the plans we're building in that community, every single one of those plans has some sort of outdoor living space. And, you know, in Oklahoma, <laughs> Uh, outdoor living space, as we all know here, it's like, all that means is, is how many bug bites am I going to have? <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like, you know, even down to, you know, we out in that neighborhood are putting in mosquito mist systems in nearly every house that cut down on the the bugs. And so there's just a lot of things that go into that mindset of, you know, yeah, we're spending more money to, to build this product and we're, you know, definitely taking a bigger risk. But I think that, you know, I think that if COVID's probably taught us anything, you know, we all kind of have been separated. We, you know, social media, while it's got a lot of very good things about it, there's also very, a lot of really bad things about it. And, you know, I think the, the comparison thing, and I think, I think people just are lonely in general. And I, I think that, you know, the people we've talked to in this community already, have just been like man it's such a breath of fresh air to come out here and it's like i don't i come out here and i don't even want to pick my phone up and i mean when we we actually had a lady tell us that just not that long ago and it's like man when i thought about that i was like golly how great of an endorsement is that i mean you don't even want to pick your phone up because i mean in a world where we're so reliant on our phones these days it's like man that that's a i think that's a pretty good endorsement right there so yeah, that's a fabulous endorsement, especially nowadays where everybody's connected to their phone, not just from a social media, but maybe an addiction thing too. Yeah. Uh, business, I mean, you know, we're all those lights, I guess, just what notifications coming up that we have to address next. From a relationship side, and I think this is kind of case in point with who you are when you think about just the mentality of communities as opposed to developments. Um, it's one thing, we, we, we started speaking about CBUSA and the value of networking with other builders. What about other meaningful relationships. I mean, for you, when you think about banking and, you know, tra- trade partners, suppliers, mm-hmm. not, not only are those important for me, but, you know, I, I try to compare, okay, for Randy, what does that look like? I mean, it's definitely a step above because you have multiple products and it, you know, this is, you're taking the risk. And so there's a huge impact. Yeah, no, I, I think, man, the, the relationships, you know, yes, we, we are in a, in the business to make money. I mean, obviously I want my family to live a nice lifestyle. I, you know, want to provide a good life for our team, team members and everything. But, you know, I think that if you lose sight of the relationship side of the business, I think, and, and, and it's just a numbers game for you. I don't think you'll make it. I, I think that, you know, the relationships that I've established, you know, I, I've, it's not just, you know, it's it's not just the, the, the lumberyard sales guy that you call and you order your stuff. It's like, man, I, I know about my lumberyard salesman. I know about his kid and how he, you know, just graduated and could have gone and played baseball. And, you know, I mean, I, so we try to, you know, we try to really, and I've t- tried to teach all of our people this too, that it's like, you know, we all, 
all have certain things going on in our life at any given moment. We all have hardships. We all have victories. We all, you know, and it's like, just like with our clients, we want to know about those things. We also, with our vendors and our trades want to know about those things. I mean, it's like, you know, I, I think it wasn't that long ago. We had a painter that, you know, had a baby and I think we got them a little gift bag or a gift basket and sent it up there for them for their baby. And, you know, it's just little things like that, that, I mean, I, and I was happy to do it. it it's, it's not just doing it so that you can leverage it for a later, you know, something later to be able to have them give you something back. I think it really shows them that you want to be a partner with them, but you know, the bank bankers, you know, when I still remember when we first went the first time to try to get a, a, um, construction loan for a spec home and man i god we talked to so many bankers that the answer was no 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 and you know and and so it really the first banker that finally said yes uh, you know shameless plug to him too toby heinrich with sooner state bank man he he stepped up and we still to this day do business with, with toby because you know he took a chance on us and so those relationships you know while some relationships are not, I mean, I hate to say it, but some relationships are not worth continuing on. There's a lot of relationships that very much are worth keeping going. And so I think that, you know, between, you know, again, bankers, vendors, trade partners, you know, I, I don't ever call them subcontractors. I mean, I think it's nowadays, I think most of us do call them trade partners because they really are. It's like, we're packaging their work up and, you know, have and, and selling their work basically. So they are absolutely a partner with us in this venture. Um, but not just the, the local guys, you know, it's, it's, you know, the, the relationships with guys like you that we've established and then the, the CBUSA guys, the builder trend guys and gals. I mean, talk about a great organization. I mean, builder trend, we've learned a ton from and, and CBUSA too, but um, you mentioned a, coach, a, a builder 20 group. We actually go to our, our uh, coaching group here in about two weeks. So uh, we're headed up to Cincinnati and, you know, that's just twice a year where we go out and just, you know, try to learn and absorb as much information as we can from all the guys around us. And it seems like we always get just great takeaways from those guys, but um, you know, and even other builders, I think that so many times, I think that we think that we're competing with other guys. I know that you've talked so many times about you and Nick being pretty good buddies and, 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 you know, several other buddies of yours and same thing with me. I mean, I've got lots of guys here that we really get along well. And even though we compete with each other, we, we very much share information. We, you know, it's life's too short to just, you know, try to hold all that knowledge in. It's like you, you want to help where you can, or that's how we, that's how we operate anyway. So, you know, and I, I don't know, I just think that it's, I think relationships are really important and um, yeah just it's it's been a, it's been it, it, i think anybody that doesn't think so is missing the boat for sure well it's just a mentality thing right I, that would, like i've said here before brian harris was big it's either mentality of abundance or scarcity right it just kind of shows mm-hmm. a little bit more about you as an individual right with your business but going back to the networking you know for me you know there's a lot of resources build the 20 we talked about what about for you when you look at mentors it's one thing you know, the community relationship we have, our businesses differ, but specifically for your business, do you have mentors? Do you have a group? Um, you know, as you've kind of learned and with that growth over the last six years, how, you know, how's that help? Yeah. I mean, then I, I, so my granddad, I always, you know, I, 
that that man he he's the one that really put kind of the work work ethic in me when I was a kid. Man, I I did not enjoy any part of it when I was a kid, but man, I look back now and I'm like, golly, that guy he taught me so much and taught you know not probably not even intentionally, but he just, you know, I had a, a, hand, a shovel in my hand most days working for him, but it was just like the work ethic and figuring those things out. So definitely always have considered him a, a huge mentor to me and uh, he's passed on now. So it's, it's, you know, I hate it because there's, there's days where I'm like, man, I wonder what my granddad would do here. I'd love to be able to call him. But, but you know, I, I, the guy that I worked for before um, Jack, man, he, he's always been, you know, it, 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 he could have very easily, when I left working for him, he could have very easily just been like, okay, you're out on your own, you know, but man, he's, he's always been, you know, there and, you know, I've always been able to bounce ideas off him always, you know, he's actually developing land these days too. And so we actually just talked earlier today and going to be uh, buying some lots from him in a really cool new development up on the North side of Oklahoma city. But I, you know, I, I really, I, I always try to talk anytime we go to these networking events. It's I'm not a big, big people person. Um, I, I typically don't like huge crowds, um, but You're really social. I, I'm, I'm actually surprised, you know? I, yeah, man. I, I used to be a lot more, you know, outgoing and I think the older I get, I just kind of, I'm not, I just don't like huge crowds. I definitely thrive more in smaller crowds, but I, man, I make myself, anytime we go to anything, I go up and talk to at least three people I, I haven't really met before. Maybe I know who they are, but, you know, I haven't really met before. And I, I, there's a few different guys that, you know, from coaching groups that now I would consider mentors. They, you know, they, they are great. Not, you know, I just took the, took the initiative and went up and talked to them. And I think that, you know, for anybody that's early in this business, man, that would be, and I don't know, Brad, you tell me what your thoughts are too, but I, I think that that's one of those things that, man, you can't be afraid, afraid to go ask questions. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure you've probably experienced some of the same things. It's interesting you say that because I think anyone that's listened to that, um, that anxiety of going to a networking event and you're like, do I know anyone, especially if you're maybe traveling from out of town or you're kind of, I remember early on in my career when I started my company and going to those and I didn't know a whole lot of people. It's intimidating, you know, because people have their, mm-hmm. I don't want to say clicks, but they have relationships. They have people they've worked with, you know, for a long time and those are established. And so, but, but to your point, I've always found that um, I look at it reverse too. I I've had people walk up and just interrupt me like, Hey Brad, how are you? You know, great to meet you. And it's interesting. Like I've never found that offensive, right? Cause that's why they're networking. So, why are all of us like, I don't want to say ashamed, but maybe have some fear, just go do it. And to your point, I, I know that's how we met. You came up and talked to me and um, I, I've done that, like same thing, kind of the same practice, Randy, where I'll go up and just meet new people. And I can't tell you how valuable it is. I mean, I look now at some of the relationships I have and it's, again, it started some, some you know, in, in a small location and networking event and then, you know, blossoms into something else, you know, as that develops over time. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree, man. I, I think that some of the best relationships I've got outside of the <clears throat> mentors that I've known for a long time, man. I mean, I, yeah, I, I learned so much from a lot of you guys. I mean, you included, I mean, and we're, you know, we're half a country apart, but it's like, you know, it's, that's why I say some of the good things about social media are that I can keep up with guys like you and, you know, really see some of the projects you're working on, see how you're executing certain things. And so, 
it's you know I, I definitely I need to I'm gonna have to step up my social media game a little bit compared to you. You uh, you've got a, a few more things figured out than I do, but I, I think we do we do all right. We uh, Sadie has done a real good job for us for a little while now, and so yeah, I mean it's 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 cool to be able to keep up with guys through those platforms. Well, I, I will say you have some amazing product. I'm, I'm sure we're going to give your info at the end of this, you know, Randy with Urban Nest, but um, even even a home you personally designed, which is so unique for that area. You, your company has designs that you typically wouldn't see, you know, in Oklahoma City, and, you know, you've done some incredible designs. Maybe walk through the one that you did as well that's probably a little unique and, you know, how – the value of maybe designing your own project, which some of us have a rare opportunity to do and how that can impact your business, you know, from people seeing that and the notoriety it brings. Yeah. I, so it's funny. Cause I, I think you're probably talking about the house my wife and I live in right now. Yeah. And I, you know, I, yeah, I, I actually had found a couple different plans online and then some stuff that we had built and, you know, it's, it's, I was like, Oh yeah, I'm going to do this and this. And so I, I kind of married about four different plans together and kind of came up with this design and yeah, the house we're in now, I mean, we both love it's, it's funny though, because my wife, like I, I designed the outside of the house. It's like her, the inside of the house is her. Cause she's, you know, she just has a better eye for that stuff than me. So she's, she did a good job on the inside stuff. And then, um, uh, but it's funny. I mean, life of a builder. I mean, we're already designing the next one right now, and it's it's uh, it's like a completely different look than what we're in right now. And I'm like, man, I'm like, because the last house and this house that we're in now are are somewhat similar, little different color palettes. But the house that we're going to next, I mean, it honestly looks more like something out where you're building. It's got really low roof pitch, and you know, but it's it's crazy because in Oklahoma, the the a lot of the developers out here are finally starting to come around to the idea of opening up the architectural, you know, restrictions. And, you know, for so long in Oklahoma, it was like, you would just see brick and stone, brick and stone, brick and stone. And it's like, it just kind of starts getting old after a while. And it's like, you want to be able to build some new stuff, just that's fresh. And that's what I find myself. That's what I find myself getting more and more excited about these days is, is you know, being able to kind of push the envelope a little bit, do something that we haven't really done before. Um, obviously, Sailor Down and Norman's really unique properties. New, it's a new urbanism community. So that's a, it's a lot of really cool designs. But, you know, even the couple other neighborhoods that we're going to be building in soon, one of them is going to be a more modern product. And then uh, the other one is just we can do total custom, and so yeah, the neighbor the neighborhood that we're fixing to move into, it's it's. I'll have to send you the plan a little bit later because yeah, we're we're working on it right now. It's almost done, but uh, I I will say, man, I was like, and I and I know I think you've got a couple more kids than I do. I've got four of them, but uh, <laughs> I man, I we we're we're in a decent sized house right now, and I I thought, oh yeah, we need this space for kids. And now it's like, my wife's like, I'm done cleaning this house. Like <laughs> we, <laughs> we need downsize, but it's like, man, as you know, it's like the kids get to a certain age and it's just, we, every weekend we're gone, you know? So it's like, you don't even really get to enjoy the house. It's like, we don't need a house big, uh, but it is fun. It is really fun to design these. And, you know, I'm, I'm still waiting for the uh, Brad Levitt special when he starts designing his. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, maybe there'll have to be a, another press release or news break about that. So <laughs> that may be possibly in the works. Um, oh, good, good. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Something I haven't said, but yeah, pretty excited about that. But I think what's unique is essentially didn't allude to it, but 
uh, walk us through the exterior because I, I kind of teed it up there. And most people may not realize, you know, that you mentioned the traditional style of that brick and stone in Oklahoma city, which uh, anyone that would see your house, I mean, you have to paint the picture a little bit because it's definitely yeah, a it's, traditional it's, Oklahoma city build. Yeah, no, it, it's, it is, it's more of a, it's kind of a transitional uh, uh, plan that we came up with, but it, uh, you know, we really, we took, we took a lot of time and thought about how our family lives, thought about what we wanted to achieve in this house. And then the outside, I had kind of an idea, um, really liked and still do the, the dark farm look. And so, you know, kind of decided we didn't have any other houses in this neighborhood. And I, and I honestly kind of pushed the envelope a little bit with the developer, but uh, painted almost the entire outside of this house, iron ore, which is for those that don't know, is almost a black. It's, it's just a really dark gray. And then we found a really cool brick design that we wanted to do over the front entry. And so it's a really cool textured pattern on the brick. And then we painted that white, just like a bright white. And so it, it definitely stands out in the neighborhood it is definitely a uh, house we're proud of. I mean, we, we really enjoyed designing it, but you know, the inside, I think that, you know, once you, once you build one or two or three houses, it's like you start really thinking more and more about the livability of them and, you know, with four kids, I mean, we, we have our laundry room downstairs for them, for us. And then, but we put a laundry room upstairs for them. Cause it's like, man, those kids, man, they generate a lot of clothes. <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, so I mean, it's just, it's, I think that for anybody that has never designed their own home, man, I would, I would definitely recommend trying it at least once. I mean, it may not be for everybody. I know that, you know, some people, you know, probably don't thrive in that environment, but I, you know, for guys like us, I mean, it, it's, it's inevitable. You want to really design something, but it's, it's also crazy. Cause it's like, I think we moved in and like first week I was like, Oh man, wish that had done that a little bit different. And you know, you can always find something. So it's funny you say that though, because it's one side, just the livability and, you know, as you're designing and kind of feel from the client perspective, but when you build your own home too, it becomes more personal in the mm -hmm. sense that, when you think about site cleanliness, when you think about quality and punch walks and the presentation and how people are operating, you know, we become numb as builders, at least I do that, hey, this is part of the process, we're having open surgery, essentially, you know, and you just kind of become numb to some extent of certain, you know, call it behaviors, um, mm -hmm. you know, the norms of construction, things you deal with. But then when you do a person, you're like, well, why is this? A standard. Why don't we fix this? How do we address this culture? And it's a little bit more eye-opening when you're going through that personally, when it's your own investment, your own product, you're putting your own dollars yeah. in and how you feel and how we can now remap that internally to, for the client experience. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, we, we really teach all of our employees and I've always, I've always just been this way myself where you don't ever just say, Oh, well, that's the way we've always done it. You know, we, we always kind of interrogate and kind of figure out what, well, why do we do it that way? Is there a reason, you know, is there a reason why, or is it just because that's the way granddad did it? Or, you know, is there an easier way to do this that, you know, maybe not necessarily easier, but just more efficient. Um, you know, as you know, I mean, our industry is such an industry of inefficiencies and, you know, and I, I, I hate even how inefficient we are today. I mean, I, we, we have gotten a lot more efficient than we ever used to be, but you know, you just see so much, you know, whether it's construction waste or, yeah, you see, 
you know, just too much trash laying around or, I mean, or, or the build's taking way too long or the trade, you know, doesn't show up when they're supposed to. I mean, so the inefficiencies really are what kind of kill some builders is, you know, there's just too much of that. So again, I think it's really about first off creating a culture that really, you know, your people, your people know that, you know, you expect of them. And, and, and I mean, my people, have, every one of my people have seen me sweep out a house. Like, I, I think that, you know, they, they, if, if they understand the expectation, I think they will, you know, follow with that. I think that it just becomes a part of the, of their makeup of how they work and their workflow. And I think that, you know, it's all, it's all too about how you approach it with the trades, with the vendors, um, you know, we, we used to be a little bit more like, Hey, you stop doing this and, you know, be just a little more aggressive about it. And, you know, I think now it's like most of those guys, we have really good relationships with, we, you know, we, we pretty much, I, th I think if they respect you and they trust you and they trust you're going to pay them on time and they just, re re you know, trust that when they get there to the job, that the job's going to be ready for them. Um, we preach that a lot to our guys is, you know, don't, don't hang your guys out to dry don't let them come out here and then not have something ready for them now they got to make a, a another trip out here and then you know so we've even we've even you know charged ourselves trip charges and paid it to some of the guys when we've done little stuff like that and i think it shows i think that's just the level of professional courtesy and trust that it shows between each of us and you know it it just it's it's important to do those kind of things and show them that you really are in this with them and that you know, we're not just, you know, up in an office looking down on them or something like that. So, yeah, it's really sound advice. And Randy, I mean, again, you've been amazing. And I guess last piece of advice, the work-life balance, you mentioned you have four kids, you know, running a business, doubling yeah. growth, you know, what does that look like? Oh man, I, I'm, you're, my wife would tell you, you're probably, I'm probably not the one you should ask. I, uh, <laughs> don't worry, my I've wife had would say the same thing. Uh, I've had, but I've had times that I've been way better than others, but I, you know, I, I, I think, I, I think that for those of us that it, it is kind of on our heart to, to have a better work-life balance, you know, even in the moments when we don't, I think that if it's on your heart to, to always try to make that, you know, commitment or be committed to that and committed to your family, I think that, I think it shows, I think my wife knows that like, yeah, there's times where I'll work more than others. And there's times where I'm home, you know, more than what she, she thought I would even be. And so I, I, I don't know. I think that, you know, with kids, I just, I, I've started, my oldest is 15. She's super, she's a sophomore in high school this year and she's, you know, in Palm. And then I've got, of course, my son's in baseball. And then my two younger girls are both big time dancers, both, you know, love dance. And so it just, you get to where that oldest one though. And you're like, wow, I've only got like three more summers with her. It's like, what? And I, I mean, it just, it starts to kind of really hit home. And so, yeah, I think that what I've really tried to start doing is, you know, in the evenings after about six, it's like, let's turn it off. Let's, you know, do everything we can to, you know, make sure that the family knows that dad's here. You know, I, I very, very rarely, unless we're out of town, like, you know, for a conference or something, I, I'm home every night, you know, and, and I think that shows too, that, you know, shows my wife that even though I do work a lot and there's times she wishes I wouldn't work so much. I mean, I'm home every night. I'm home at a decent time every night. She knows that I'm committed to the family and, you know, I mean, 
I, it, it, I tell her all the time, like they're the main reason I do what I do. I mean, I, I I'm all, it, it's awesome because I do love what I, what I do. And it's awesome that I get to do what I love. But at the same time, like the means of why I do it is really for them. So. Yeah. Well, I think that's important. I mean, you realize that, you know, when you think about that internally, you mentioned the year of you have three more sum, summers. So when you compartmentalize that and think about the time, it's like, okay, well, you know, I do need to balance this a little bit more. And that's something that I have to do quite often with older kids. You know, I've seen, um, any advice, you know, best advice you've been given, maybe any advice for those listening? Uh, man, I, I think, I, I think it's just continuously striving to be better. I mean, I, I, you know, as a lot of us, you know, that are in this to really do good. I mean, we, I'm, I'm constantly reading, listening to podcasts, um, you know, going to these coaching groups. I, I think that the best advice I could give anybody, you know, especially coming up um, is man, just really put in the work, put in the legwork up front. I mean, I, one of my mentors has always told me, you know, the first 10 years you're in business, you, you really feel like a pinball. You just kind of get slapped around and you're just, you know, all over the place and you just don't, you know, you're just kind of trying to survive it. And then, you know, the next decade of business, you've kind of figured some things out. You, you know, are starting to make a little more money now. You're starting to, you know, you've, you've got some things, you know, really hammered down. And then, you know, third, third decade of business, I mean, you really are doing extremely well. You, you know, you can really mentor some other people, but, yeah, I, man, I, I think that I tell my wife all the time, I'm like, there's nothing I'd rather be doing than this. I mean, I love helping the families realize home ownership. I love helping our, our teammates, you know, realize a, a good work environment and somewhere that they like to come to work every day. Um, <laughs> I hope every day. There's probably some days that they're like, oh, man. But, um, but no, I mean, I think that you know, the best advice I could give anybody in, in the industry, especially right now is just keep fighting a good fight, man. It's, it's, I tell myself quite often, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Because it seems like, it seems like, you know, there's all, there's always things pushing against, you know, uh, the, the company and trying to break processes. And so, you know, just be disciplined and, you know, being disciplined is not easy, but it's worth it, you know? So it's hard to really until you're living it like you are disciplined you know the value of that consistency discipline it's just such a huge attribute so as and you've been so gracious with your time randy so as we close um where can our listeners find you uh so we are on instagram and facebook urban nest okc um i'm on linkedin uh at randy writes um yeah i Man, I, I, Sadie does a really good job on our, on our social media side. So she really monitors the company stuff, but I do, I do look over my own LinkedIn and I, uh, I, I had a, I had a mentor tell me I needed to get on LinkedIn about a year ago, but, uh, I was like, LinkedIn, I'm like, what's that? And then, yeah, I get on there and I'm like, I think we've already sold a couple of houses from it. So yeah, it's, uh, I appreciate that Mr. Levitt. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's me that was barking at you to be on LinkedIn, but. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's valuable. It so, well, everyone yeah. connect with Randy there. He does a phenomenal job and hopefully get to meet him. So, Randy, thank you again for uh, coming on today. Man, it was great to meet or great to see you again and look forward to seeing you next week, man. If you give value from the show, please support us by giving a five star rating and review on whatever platform you listen to. 
And I also have a favor to ask. We've had some incredible guests that come on and share their wisdom, their knowledge about their business. So if you have friends or family members that could benefit from those episodes, please share it with them, as well as any other business owners that you're networking with that could get value from the podcast or certain episodes. Please share those as well. Again, subscribe, make sure you're following any questions that you have, topics. We've had uh, listeners reach out about certain guests that we should have on the show. Again, brad.l at aftconstruction.com. Email me for topics to address, guests that we should have on, and even if you think you'd be a great guest for the show. So again, thank you for all your support, and we'll see you next time.